The Pittsburgh Steelers added seven players to their roster through the NFL draft. But where do these players fit in the Steelers' plans? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. With the NFL draft just having completed, I wanted to look at a quick look at each player and how I initially see them fitting in to the Steelers' play this season. We'll start with their first-round pick, Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones is exactly what the Steelers want from an offensive lineman. He's young, he's athletic, he's got a lot of upside. His movement is great, and I'm not saying footwork, you know. His movement is really, really good. Very natural mover in space and, and gets out very quick and very natural mover. He's got good strength, he's got reach, and the combination of strength, reach, and movement make up for a lot of technique that needs improvement. Now, a lot of his technical flaws fall into the category of the you-don't-fix-what-ain't-broke in college. No one was able to take advantage of his flaws. He wasn't losing battles, so you don't fix them. You don't rework something that's working. As a player, you don't change what you're doing if no one is beating you. This is what stands out to me, is that he has a lot of polish to add. He has a lot of technique to learn. There's a lot of ways in which he's very raw. And yet, Broderick Jones was an incredibly effective lineman at the very top of college football. That says a lot to me. That says you've got a guy who's ceiling is Hall of Fame caliber. If he can be that good, that effective, while having a lot of areas to improve, what happens, where is his game, when he does improve? I really can't wait to see where Pat Meyer has him by the start of preseason. When you look at his game, when you look at what he's good at, when you look at his strengths, outside runs, pulling, and zone, outside zone, inside zone, pass blocking, like, uh, there's nothing he's not good at on the offensive line. There's no real weaknesses here except his technique needs to be improved. And I, and again, I, I think that's a situation where it's not like someone has needed their technique to be better and they just didn't do it or they weren't able to do it. This is a guy who didn't need it. So why would you why would you change things that are working and risks that they don't work for a while? You know, are you going to lose a few games? If you're Georgia, are you going to lose a game to get Broderick Jones ready to play in the NFL? You're not going to do that. You're going to do what's working. And what he was doing was working. Last thing I want to look at for each player is the roster situation. And for Broderick Jones, he is clearly a tackle. And there are three linemen at the front of the line fighting for two starting spots. I think the Steelers are going to give Broderick Jones every chance to win the left tackle job. That's what they do. And I think it is very quickly going to become Dan Moore Jr. and Chukwumo Korofor fighting for right tackle as Broderick Jones proves himself very easily to be the best tackle on this team. 
So I think you're going to see the big story is going to be Dan Moore Jr. and Shakuma Okorafor fighting over the starting job at right tackle, and that will be something to watch. But I think Broderick Jones is your left tackle right early on. I think by the end of rookie minicamp, he might be your number one tackle. The Steelers' second pick in the draft was Joey Porter Jr. Porter Jr. is a cornerback who uses his physicality very well. He uses his length very well. He uses his athleticism very well. Now, he's going to have growing pains in the NFL because hand-fighting, physical play is a whole different thing in the NFL. It's a very different animal in the NFL. A lot of receivers who come from college and struggle in the NFL, it's because they're not used to NFL-level hand-fighting. In the same way, Joey Porter Jr. was able to beat up on those receivers because he was better than them at the hand-fighting part. Now you're talking about facing receivers who are your match, are, are at least as good as him, if not better. In those situations, that's going to cause him some trouble. He's going to have to grow as a player. He's going to get a great introduction to NFL route running and receivers with Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson is absolutely elite in his releases off the line of scrimmage, against, especially against press. It was one of the most impressive things he had in college and in the NFL. People just don't press him because that's a quick way to lose. You want to make Deontay Johnson look good, play press man against him and just let him rack up like let him rack up reception after reception like he's going to be open constantly. Uh he's going to be challenged there. He he one of the things uh, that stands out about Joey Porter Jr. is he's a person who plays for pass breakups. He plays to deny the play, not to make big plays himself. So he plays for a pass breakup, not a pick, not an interception. For interceptions to be a part of his game, that's going to take a while. Those, those are probably a ways off before you get to where Joey Porter Jr. is you know, picking off passes regularly. If, if he ever gets there. Um... For his usage, where does he fit? He's an outside corner. I don't think he's going to be a nickel. It would He's going to have a learning curve already. Uh, learning a brand new position would be a lot to ask. NFL slot cornerback is a very complicated, very you know, uh, mental position. You're not just asking a guy to go learn that while he's adapting to the NFL as a cornerback. Cornerback is already one of the hardest... Uh, positions to adapt to the NFL simply because of all the rules and the, the the change in quality of quarterback play and receiver play. Who it's, it's gonna it's very 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 interesting to watch the competition for this position for cornerback. Levi Wallace is not going to be an easy person to knock out of a starting competition. He is an experienced veteran who's had a lot of success. Patrick Peterson is going to be your number one cornerback unless he's unable to play. The nickel, the Steelers have two nickels now. They signed a, a guy during the draft to be the nickel at there as well. Uh, obviously, Joey Porter Jr. is going to make the team. He's going to make the 53-man roster. I'm not putting him on the practice squad or anything like that. But there's not a lot of 
there's not a lot of space behind him and there's not there's going to be an interesting availability for him to get on the field I had said before this season, before the draft that, and before free agency when Cameron Sutton was still, you know, expected to return, that Cameron Sutton was kind of a perfect player to have on the team if you're drafting Joey Porter Jr. because Cameron Sutton's your starter on the outside. Levi Wallace could start on the other side. And then when you go to nickel, you move Cameron Sutton inside, and Joey Porter Jr. comes in as an outside corner in nickel. Well, if he doesn't win a starting job, Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson, neither of them are slot corners. And Joey Porter Jr. is not a slot corner. The most natural thing there is to bring in a slot corner and leave your starters in place. And then in dime, you're adding a second player in the slot. Not a third outside corner. So it's going to be interesting to see how they work that. Obviously, they've talked about Patrick Peterson playing some different roles. I don't see him doing that in nickel right off the bat. That doesn't seem like the best idea there. He hasn't really played the position. Dime is much more forgiving. Uh, being a dime back is, is, is not, not at all the same as being a nickel back. Um, and so I think Joey Porter Jr. would have an easier time finding his play into dime. But... If Patrick Peterson doesn't learn the nickel job, it just doesn't fit him. Like, so he just he understands it, but it's just not a good fit for his skills and how he plays. Then Joey Porter Jr. is either going to have to straight up beat out Levi Wallace to start, or come in in dime. That's that's where I'm saying, looking and saying, I don't know where he's going to come on the field. That's that's really my thing with with Joey Porter Jr. is he has he has a learning curve and not the easiest way to get on the field. So it's going to be interesting to see how he does. They're going to find a way. They're going to get him on there. It's just going to be interesting to see how they do it and what steps have to happen for you know him to get playing time. The third pick and the Steelers' second second round pick is Keanu Benton. Benton played nose in college, but to me, he doesn't play it like a nose tackle. Uh, if you think of Tyson Alualu, Tyson Alualu wasn't your traditional nose tackle, but Keanu Benton is more athletic. Think of like Cameron Hayward playing nose tackle. It works, but it's not what you expect from a nose tackle. Benton is athletic, but he's not really a penetrator like Javon Hargrave was. He's kind of a fighter, right? He, he gets position, he uses his hands, but it's not po- it's not polished. It's a lot of pushing and pulling and it's kind of fighting his way through. If you imagine just like trying to push your way through two people without really knowing what you're doing, it's kind of what Keanu Benton looks like most of the time. There's not a lot of polish there. His, his play succeeds across the board really because he fights hard, and he's got a high motor. Like he's a really like hard-working guy, but he doesn't seem to have a lot of polish on his game. In fact, he reminds me of a lot of a much better version of Isaiah Bugs. When he loses, it kind of looks similar to what I when Isaiah Bugs lost reps, 
And when he wins, it looks a lot like Isaiah Bugs. It's just he wins a lot more than Isaiah Bugs did. He's just a better version of him. Uh, how he's going to be used on the team? You think of Tyson Alualu in like 2020. Nose tackling three man fronts, defensive tackling four. Uh, his best alignments are over the center or over the the guard. Splitting, it, it's like the one tech. Uh, he's, he's solid. I, I, I like him lined up actually over a lineman, in my opinion. That's, that's where he's slightly better. Keanu Benton's upside, his, his ceiling is like Cameron Hayward level. If you go back to Cameron Hayward's early seasons... When he wasn't starting yet. He fought hard. He was a really good athlete. He was very strong. But he wasn't a good defensive lineman yet. And he developed. And it took years. But he became incredible. Keanu Benton. Doesn't have the ceiling Cam Hayward had. But he's also closer to starting. And not nearly in as difficult a defense. As Dick LeBeau's front line was. That was a hard defense to play for defensive linemen. A lot of demanding stuff on them. So he's going to see playtime, and he's going to be effective earlier than Cameron Hayward was. But he kind of he has a lot of Cameron Hayward in him. And I, if, if Carl Dunbar can teach it, coach up his technique, take out some wasted movements, get him more efficient... He could become kind of a, you know, lesser version of Cameron Hayward. I really think that's, like, his upside. And I, I see him with his athleticism and his length playing a lot of five-tech when he gets to the point that he's ready to play that position. If you look at the roster, there's plenty of snaps available, defensive tackle and, and nose tackle. They lost players. They added some, but those players aren't going to be in front of Keanu Benton. Montrevious Adams and Braden Fajoko are his competition at nose. I think he's gonna beat both he's gonna beat both of them out. And uh, I doubt all three of those make the roster, so probably you know one of them's gonna be gone. Uh, and it's not gonna be Benton. Benton's gonna be sticking around. He's you know he's a draft pick. When you look at these these top picks, these top these three top fifty picks it's pretty clear to me that Broderick Jones is going to have your immediate impact. He's going to be the biggest immediate impact of anyone in the draft uh, for the Steelers. I think you're going to see Joey Porter Jr. might even come in third place as a rookie. I really think his transition to the NFL is going to be a tough one. That doesn't mean he can't do it all in one season and be ready to start you know, partway into the NFL season. That could happen. I don't I don't know, you know, if he's capable of that, but it's going to be very difficult to pull off. Keanu Batten, I think, is going to give you what you should expect. Uh, if you look at numbers from, you know, Cameron Hayward, Javon Hargrave, uh, Stefan Tuitt even as a rookie, uh, see kind of what what's in the range of expectations there. It's, you know, a couple of sacks, you know, some some solid snaps. I think he's going to be alright. I think he's going to play fine in the NFL as he learns and grows. And he's going to have some he's going to have some struggles as a as a rookie, but I don't think he will 
have as big of a learning curve as Joey Porter Jr. And I think he has a much more natural and easier path to getting playtime. We're going to stop there for the first half of the show. Stay tuned, and when we get back, we'll be talking about the third round, fourth round, and the two seventh round picks from the Steelers draft this year. So stay tuned, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Steel Curtain Network, a part of Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts here on Steel Curtain Network. And and if you have any other podcasts you want, NFL podcasts, college football podcasts, Check out Fans First Sports Network. We likely have you covered. First half of this show, we talked about the first three Steelers draft picks. Now we're going to move on to the Steelers' third round pick, Darnell Washington. When you look at Darnell Washington's film, he has highlight-worthy catches, absolutely. He shows he's fast, he hurdles people, all, all kinds. His athleticism pops off the tape. But first and foremost, he is a blocking tight end who visibly on film relishes burying smaller defenders. He's a fantastic downfield blocker. One of the best reasons to actually have him run routes is because as a downfield blocker, he will add 15, 20 yards to a play at random. He has really good right hands. He runs decent enough routes, and he is a big-time athlete for his size, but he is at his best when he's blocking or using the threat of those blocks as a weapon when he is a route runner. This all leads to where he is an absolute monster, which is in play action. When you have to respect... Of a tight end's size and their hands and their athleticism, their speed, and their blocking. Then when you do play action, it's a major problem for the defense. You have to respect his ability to blitz. You have to respect that the Steelers will essentially have six linemen out there with him and the five offensive linemen. And as the offensive line has major investments put in it, and was already one of the better run blocking lines late last season, this could be a real serious problem for other teams. You go back to 2004, you know, 2005, Pittsburgh Steelers, I think this offensive line and tight end could be on that level. And that's crazy, crazy when you look at his speed and his hands, his ability to high point the football. Like 
the Steelers are going to have to add in some play action to their offense because my goodness, Darnell Washington is a monster. Usage for Darnell Washington, he's not going to just be an inline tight end, but he's going to be the Steelers' main inline tight end. He played the most there in college. Roughly 70% of his snaps were inline snaps. But that's not as high as, say, a Zach Gentry, who was in line for 90% of his snaps. You will see Darnell Washington in the slot. You'll see him as an H-back. You'll see him move around. He can line up out wide, where, you know, the other team has to figure out what are you going to do when a Darnell Washington at six foot seven with his speed, his height, his ability to go up and catch the ball over people lines up as the outside receiver. Who do you send out there? You send a linebacker out there, man, we'll just run him upfield and see if that linebacker can, you know, play the ball in the air. Or if he wants to get mossed. <laughs> you know, that's, that can, that's an option. You put a cornerback out there, shoot, man. <laughs> like, what are you even trying to do? Darnell Washington is a mismatch monster on a team that has been looking for mismatch players. Even minor ones like a Connor Hayward, who's just difficult to, to, to really deal with. Darnell Washington is entirely different level of mismatch weapon. He He's not Rob Gronkowski, but he's that kind of level of a mismatch. He doesn't have the route running Rob Gronkowski has. I don't think he's as big a threat after the catch at all. But he is a monster. He's going to be a tough one to deal with for, for opposing defenses. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him. My overall take on Darnell Washington is I don't know where his medicals are. I know he had a reputation for playing hurt when he was at Georgia. That he did not let it stop him when he was injured. That takes a toll on an athlete, especially a big athletic freak like Darnell Washington. But as long as he is out there playing, he's going to be a joy to watch. He may last a long time or he may have a shorter career. But while he's out there, man, is it going to be something to watch him play. Moving on from Darnell Washington to the Steelers' fourth-round pick, Nick Herbig. Uh, As a caveat, Nick is one of the players I've probably watched the least film on so far. I still think I have a pretty good idea of of his overall talent, but draft hasn't been that long ago. Uh, I haven't gotten through a whole ton of film on all of these guys, but Nick Herbig is one of the least. What I saw in film, he has some good pass rush moves that he uses well. He is a player who seemed to collect a lot of lower value sacks, if you know what I mean by that. A high value sack is like one-on-one with an offensive tackle. Uh, they make a really good pass rush move, beat the offensive tackle, get to the quarterback and sack him. That's a high quality sack. A low-quality sack is like the quarterback is scrambling out of the pocket and you get a mop-up sack 
or you're blocked but the coverage is really good and you get a coverage sack or blitzes schemes where the scheme basically gives you you know like 60% of the advantage that you get in order to get a sack you were kind of you know set up for success that's the kind of sacks that Nick Herbig converts on he seems to have a knack for being a finisher a player who when you give him this opportunity to make a play, he makes the play. He may not create a lot of opportunities to make big plays for himself, but he will convert on them if you are able to set him up for them. If I had to pick a system where he would work best, I would want him into a defense that is creative and blitz-heavy. Let's him attack from different angles, off stunts, odd timed blitzes, odd man rushes. To me, he seems a lot like a Brian Flores, a linebacker. An opportunistic linebacker. That if you just send him at people, you're going to get some good results. Now, there's a number of players on this roster that make me think of Brian Flores. Even after Brian Flores left, it seems like we've added... A lot of players that just fit his defense and fit his mentality and what he wants. With that, I can see why there's a lot of talk of moving him to inside linebacker, not from the Steelers, but surrounding that analyst people saying, hey, you know, Nick Herbig is a guy who could become an inside linebacker. I could see that. He does a lot of good blitzes and good rushes where he starts lined up between the edges. As, an, as like an inside linebacker. So I can see why people think of moving him there. The Steelers are keeping him an outside linebacker for now. But they made sure to say that limitation of, of temporarily he's definitely going to be an outside linebacker. I think he's best as a hybrid. As a player who can be a 4-3 you know, outside linebacker who's very aggressive and blitz heavy. Or a 3-4 outside linebacker. He's a smaller linebacker out of the entire linebacking core. Only Tanner Muse is currently on the Steelers listed as lighter than him. Uh, Tanner Muse is 227 pounds. Nick Herbig is listed at 228. Very small for an outside linebacker. Very, very small for someone who could line up with his hand in the dirt as like a defensive end in a four-man front which I noticed when he played in college, he was much better as a stand-up player. Even as a four-man front, he was usually a stand-up rush edge. My takeaway on Nick Herbig, I don't think he's a major player as a rookie. I don't think he's the number three outside linebacker. I think he will get some play. I, I, he's going to have to make his spot on special teams, be a special teams heavy player early on, and then you know, get those snaps. If you're on this team on defense as a special teams player, you're still going to play. You're still going to play. Uh, you, you, they always do. The other edge player the Steelers currently have behind T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith is Quincy Roche. Roche, who is considered small for an edge defender, and he is listed at 15 pounds heavier than Nick Herbig. So that gives you an idea 
Nick Herbig is not a very big dude. Herbig is going to be an interesting one to watch him develop. I like his skill set. I like the way he attacks plays. I like his motor. I like his energy. There's so much to like about him. But there are a lot of questions. Mostly his size. And also when you watch his film, he's not the most polished player. Like I said, he gets a lot of lower quality sacks. I don't think he's going to be a sack specialist right off the bat. I could be surprised. It would be nice. (laughs) Now we move on to the two seventh round picks. First off, Corey Trice. Corey Trice's film is like Joey Porter Jr., The problem with Trice's film is it's highly inconsistent. Highly inconsistent. You watch the Purdue-Penn State matchup. Man, Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice looks like two peds in the same pod. They're almost the same player. You go a few weeks later, and all of a sudden he's having a game where you're like, he, he seems tentative. He's not nearly, he doesn't look as fast. Um... But that whole season, he's playing and dealing with recovering from an ACL injury. At his best, he's very good, and then other weeks, he's not that player at all. Now, when you look at the roster, the Steelers usually carry six cornerbacks. They brought back four players from last season, added Patrick Peterson. That's five. Then during the draft, they added... Two people in the draft, Joey Porter Jr. and Corey Trice, and signed a veteran slot receiver. So you're currently at eight cornerbacks. Only six are going to make it into the season. So it is going to be an uphill battle for Corey Trice. And when you look and see that he is very specifically an an outside corner uh, and doesn't really play the slot, I don't expect him to play the slot, that's a hard job, Vice, to get a job. Currently on the outside, your your leading candidates go Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter Jr., Levi Wallace, James Pierre, and then Corey Trice. So that's going to be an uphill battle for him to make it. He's got to knock some people off there, and I, it's going to be hard to knock Pierre out of that equation because of Pierre's special teams play. So it is going to be very interesting to see if Corey Trice gets a chance to play. But if he's healthy, and this is the question because he really wasn't starting when he wasn't healthy, when he was healthy. He had just started, you know, being a starter and he got hurt. And then he had last season where he was dealing with the recovery from that and was frequently like he's 85%, you know, 75 to 85-90% depending on the week. Not not the best situation, but that brings into question his film and how much better could he be than even like his best film. His best film from last season might not be who he is as a rookie even. He might be even better. So there is there's upside there. There's some question marks. I like him. I think he's going to make it. I think he finds a way to make this roster. He just he just seems to be that kind of player to me. I really like his game, and I think he's going to make an impact in the NFL. 
I compared him to Joey Porter Jr., but I actually think he's less dependent on being, you know, his hands than and grabbing players than Joey Porter even is. The last pick the Steelers made, Spencer Anderson. This is a guy I've watched the least. Uh, he's a very athletic player. He played all over the line. He's most likely a project to play center in the NFL. He doesn't really have a good chance to make the roster. I was saying Corey Trice has an uphill battle to make the Steelers 53-man roster. Spencer Anderson has a very tough fight. The Steelers' offensive line has a lot of bodies on it, especially on the interior. Now, Anderson played some center, and from reports, he worked a lot on being a center, trying to get better at it, kind of understanding that he's probably, if he's going to play in the NFL, it would be at center. His film isn't the most impressive. And I think, honestly, he's he's going to have to have a very, very strong camp to make the Steelers roster. There's nowhere to hide on this 53-man roster this year unless there's injuries. You're going to have to beat somebody. As in a year where just rookies can get a pass and low-grade rookies can still just kind of get a pass and we'll see how they develop. That's, that's not this team anymore. Steelers have a lot of depth on that line. And it's, you're going to have to knock somebody off the roster. And that's going to be a hard job for a 7th round pick. Not great film. Played all over the line. Has a lot to improve on. I think he is most likely the player that doesn't make it. But, you know, practice squad is still, still an opportunity to keep working and keep improving and become something. So we'll see. Hopefully he works out. That's our, that's my show. I think of the players taken after uh, the second round outside of the top 50, Darnell Washington is obviously your impact player. In fact, I think Darnell Washington is number two, pushing number one for the player who could have the most impact as a rookie. Uh, obviously uh, competing for that position with Broderick Jones, the Steelers' first round pick. I think Darnell Washington is going to make an immediate impact. I think the other players, most likely special teams, very little impact early on. It's going to be rough for them. But I do like the Steelers draft. I like what they've gotten. I think there's it's a good impact and there's depth. And this team is significantly better than it was. And if you see a Joey Porter Jr. ready to take over the starting job and improving the secondary, if you see... Corey Trice even making it as a dimeback, getting seeing time on on the field as a dimeback early, uh, late in this first season, man, that that'd be incredible. If Nerv Herbig can be, you know, more than just a special teams guy, but actually improve the rotation as a third outside linebacker, that all just adds. That all just adds to the team. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's very exciting. The draft or we're getting to start to look at the roster, start thinking about where players will play and what will happen. We'll cover uh, undrafted free agents in the future here on this show as they get a chance to look at them. I'm still finishing up evaluating the draft class and looking through their film. Uh, but we'll work through it. We'll work through it other things. It's going to be, we're back at a more exciting point of the offseason, so make sure you're staying with us, uh, listening to all the shows here on Steel Curtain Network. As always, thank you for listening. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers.